What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Concealed Carry Texas podcast. If you haven't yet, go check us out on Instagram at Concealed Carry Texas Podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe to be in the know once a new episode drops. Um, also, if you're feeling generous, leave us a rating. Uh, we really appreciate that, and it would help people find us for concealed carry and gun-related content. So, for today, we have a special guest down in Kima, Texas, and that is Rob of Triple T Holsters. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I've been looking forward to get you on. I looked on... Um, I've heard, I heard a couple of, I've had some friends that gone and got some holsters made from you and, uh, they, they talked about, uh, you had a pretty good setup and got online and looked at your story and I really, it was, it was very interesting. Um, y'all, y'all have a pretty, pretty interesting background from where you got started. Yeah, we, um, we didn't, you know, set out to you know, make holsters necessarily like, uh, from the beginning, I didn't go to school thinking, man, I want to grow up and make holsters. Uh, like a lot of jobs that we find ourselves in the, um, holster business sort of came out of a necessity. Um, it was, uh, it was actually to help my, my parents. Um, my dad's actually the one who really came up with the, uh, the idea, but, um, uh, going back and forth, we, we kind of morphed it into what it is now. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to tell you more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, so, man, the last time we talked, uh, you said y'all were on vacation. Y'all were on a trip. Y'all went to Yeah, Hidden we went Falls. to uh, Hidden Falls. It's an adventure, uh, like, off-road park. Um, it's in Marble, te- uh, Marble Falls, Texas, which is just a little outside of Austin. Um, if you got a Jeep or any of these off-road vehicles, that's a really fun place to be. Yeah, we uh we go out there. Um, we haven't been out there in a while, but uh, we we go out there fairly often. It's it's nice. I always love going to the hill country. Where do you where do you yeah, run? We have um we have two vehicles. We have a a Jeep Gladiator. Um, not the best for rock crawling, uh, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, that that <laughs> that bed on the that makes it a truck. It's great until you got to come off of a boulder or something. Um, but we also have a, a Yamaha Viking little side by side. That's a lot of fun too. Nice. Uh, you got any, well, mods we, done in Jeep? we do nothing, nothing crazy. We don't, I don't have a lift on it yet. We have a leveling kit. What's good about this particular, uh, gladiator is, uh, it's a max toe edition. So it's got the, the Dana 44s on the front and the rear. Um, and, uh, it just sits a little bit higher. So we just got a leveling kit and threw 35s on it. So it's not radical or anything. It, it's enough to go out there and have fun, but it's not, um, you're not going to do the most extreme stuff out there at Hidden Falls. That's still pretty good though. Being able to throw 35s on it without, you know, with just a leveling kit on there. I got a, uh, I have a forerunner and I have a, full suspension lift on it. Nothing crazy, just like a stage one lift. And I mean, 33s are as big as I want to go to maintain any gas mileage for daily, daily driving, but it's enough that we can go out there and have fun and out there. You can definitely get into as much trouble as you're willing to. Find. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that's, what's great about hidden falls is that you had different levels. So if you're not, uh, if you're not one of these extreme people that, uh, have got a buggy that you're going to trailer in, and you've built it, you know, from scratch just to rock crawl, then you can do other things. So you can do it with your Toyotas. 
That's awesome. Um, now, so for people listening in, Triple T Holsters is a completely family-run business, correct? And your father's the the man behind the madness. Yes, that is correct. Um, my father, my father came up with an idea for um, a, a mattress holster. You got to remember, this is 2008. Okay. Uh, 2009 actually. And this was about the time that, um, the, what we call Obamacare got passed. And so, um, my parents, you know, both working in the medical field, um, my mom's job became sort of, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say illegal, but, uh, it was basically completely undermined overnight with the, uh, the passage of that bill. So, um, she went from making really, really good money to being unemployed. And so they, they were going through a rough spot. So my father was trying to figure out a way just to make some extra money. My wife and I were already doing gun shows. We were, we were doing, you know, piddly stuff. We were selling uh, shirts. Uh, We were selling, you know, shirts we actually printed ourselves. Um, Then there were, you know, uh, decals and just, you know, miscellaneous uh, AR and AK type accessories. And we were doing that. We were actually doing very, very well at that time. Um, you know, you had the Obama craze and everything else going on. So you, you had um, you had the greatest salesman of guns ever in the White House. And um, so we were doing really good and we were doing all these gun shows. So my father came to us and said, hey, listen, I've got an idea for a holster. Let's uh, let's see if y'all can sell these. So we took them up there in this mattress holster. It's kind of hard to without without drawing a picture. It's a it's a type of holster that. Uh, you have a kydex shell and it's attached to a flat piece of plastic that has been bent 90 degrees. So the bent part goes in between your mattress and box spring. And then while the other part that, you know, is, is bent 90 degrees downward, that's where the holster's at. Well, that's a, that's a great plan. If you don't have kids, if you, uh, if you don't have anybody in the house, you don't want to have access to the gun, especially, you know, uh, little ones. Um, because if you do, the worry is that you forget the gun in the holster and then little Timmy can find it. And uh, that would not be good. So <clears throat> we sold a few of them. And then <laughs> and then um, I got feedback from the public, you know, pretty much confirm, cons- confirming uh, my fear on it. And so we said, hey, listen, let's let's come up with something else. So we uh, we had. um basically heard about crossbreed i've never seen a crossbreed remember you you know i never went out and looked them up you don't see them in stores or anything like that so what they were uh i was actually listening to another uh a radio show i was at work and the guy and they actually had uh mr craighead on and he was explaining it and i was like wait a minute that sounds exactly like what we're making but instead of a piece of plastic it's a piece of leather so i uh i came home i drew something up and I took it to my father and I said, Hey, can you make me this? And the way I always like to explain this, you know, like one of these grandiose moments when somebody says, aha, you know, this is a great idea. It went more like, Hey, can you, can you make this? And he's like, if you want, I guess, you know, I'll make it. <laughs> so he goes, uh, he goes <laughs> up there and, uh, here's what's sad. Okay. He, he doesn't have all the equipment to do this at home and he's just making, we're talking a handful of holsters. So he's, uh, he's working up there, uh, at the hospital. And so what he's doing is he's taking like a toy gun and he's just taking some scrap stuff that they would normally throw out and he would, you know, suck it down and he put it on some leather. And, um, so the next day he comes back over and he's got this thing and I put it on and I'm like, wow, if, uh, 
if I could do a cartwheel, I would do a cartwheel. That's how good this feels. He's like, okay, give it back. So he goes back and he does some other stuff to it that I've never seen anybody else do to a, a hybrid holster. Um, and that is, that's where he, uh, he lines the back of it with, uh, something he calls an orthopedic grade leather. Now, from my understanding, I'm not, we get some of this stuff from a medical supply company. So this isn't something you go down to uh, Tandy or some other company to get this stuff is what they use on the inside of, uh, orthotic devices. Um, when you say orth orthotic devices, oh, you're wow. like, well, what is that? Okay. Well, everybody who's seen Forrest Gump has seen an orthotic device and that's the braces that he has on his legs when he's a child. And so those are, um, if I'm not mistaken, those are called KFOs. That's like knee foot orthosis. And, um, there's all kinds of reasons to have them. In fact, I have a sister who's handicapped and that's one of the reasons why my father, I think ended up working for Shriners hospital for children is because my sister has several palsy. And, um, so all, all our young life, uh, growing up, my dad was always, you know, the kind of guy who would, uh, he, he, he sold, he valiantly sold my mom's, uh, uh, formula firebird without her knowing to buy a cargo van. Okay. They almost got divorced over that. Uh, he sold this, uh, he sold, they sold her, he sold her like, it, you know, I think it was like in 1980, 81. It, it, it kind of looked a little bit like the, uh, the smoking the bandit style, uh, formula, but, uh, he sold it and, uh, he bought a cargo van and she was none too pleased about that. But, uh, but he did it because they got my, my sister, a great big honking wheelchair that would do about 20 miles an hour. And it would run over cats and dogs and kids that didn't get out of the way. Uh, that were, that was, that was a good time. <laughs> but, um, so, but he was always making things. He was always bending up and doing certain things with forks and, uh, different utensils to make it easier for her to eat. So when he retired from the air force, um, he was still really a young guy. He, he retired back in 88. And so um, he was trying to find out what he wanted to do. And he went to nursing school for a while and he just ended up going to uh, Shriners. And because of what he did in the air force, he bent metal. He was the Jesse James of airplanes uh, before there was a Jesse James. So he wow. he's got commentations where he's done uh, depot level repairs on uh, airplanes out in the field, um, you know, during the Vietnam war. Okay. That's, that's, that's the kind of guy he is. He may not be able to draw something on paper, but he can, if he can think it, he can make it. And so, um, so he, he ended up going to work for Shriners. Uh, he stayed there for a long time and, um, you know, he did a lot of good things. Uh, very proud of him for that. Um, uh, seeing pictures of him next to kids that had no legs that now had artificial legs or they had, uh, orthosis devices that would allow them to walk, you know, sometimes with a cane or a walker, but who, would never have known what it was like to put on a pair of pants, you know, that, that's sort of thing. So he's a, he's a really cool guy. I'm really, really glad that he's, he's my dad. I'm very fortunate to have him. Um, but going back to the genesis of how we came into being, um, we, we were just doing gun shows. And so um, we would, he would take these holsters that he was making, which is one type of holster. And we would sell five of them, one gun show. Then the next gun show might sell six or seven. And I remember we got up to where we sold 18 in one weekend. It was like, hallelujah. Oh my God, this is great. You know? And so <laughs> I look back when we we're selling 50 every weekend and I was like, man, um, that's crazy that, you know, that we got, we went from five holsters to 50 holsters in some cases. So 
Um, you had some different uh, events that would increase that or reduce that. But um, but generally, we, we got to where we were very, very popular. Well, the thing about selling at gun shows is that you sell to other vendors. And some of these vendors are uh, their gun store owners. And so you've got these owners, these people who, who have gun stores, and they love your product. And they're like, hey, I would like to sell this at my store. And so... We were, you know, it was, it was very flattering and we were like, man, we got to come up with a wholesale system for this. And so, uh, we came up with a wholesale system and, uh, we, we started selling the stores. We were even in the, uh, the Cabela's down here in league city for a while. Um, they had a thing called the, Oh yeah, it was so oh, cool. Awesome. We got pictures where, um, <laughs> our stuff is on their shelves and everything. It was very exciting. It was a really awesome time. Um, unfortunately Bass Pro, you know, they, they bought them out and, I'm not, I don't have anything bad to say about Bass Pro or Cabela's. I love both those companies. Um, but they're, they they shut down this buy local program that the Cabela's here in town were allowing us to come in under. Because when you sell to a big store like that, uh, a lot of people who get into business, they think, hey, I can come up with a, I've got, I can make the best of whatever. Okay. In this case, the holster, I make a better holster than anybody else. And I believe that. Okay. And that's what makes it easy for me to sell these. But um, you can make the best of anything, but there are a lot of hurdles and it's not, it's not all because they're big, mean corporations. No, no, they got to have, they have tracking, they have all kinds of stuff. They have a, uh, they have a, uh, uh, a distribution system that requires you have to have uh, barcodes. Um, that's one thing I do not have love for is uh, barcodes. <laughs> so yeah, that was not fun trying to do all that, but, but, um, but going back to, you know, we, we were able to sell at Cabela's. It was great. It was a great time. We learned a lot. Um, it helped us with our packaging. Uh, a lot of holster makers, they, their packaging, not so good. It's not clear. It doesn't say big and bold what the holster is meant to fit, you know, Glock, you know, Glock 43, uh, Glock 48, that kind of stuff. Um, if you're, if you're working in the store and you got to go and, you know, someone comes to you and says, Hey, I need something for my, uh, my Hellcat. You know, I need a left-handed holster, which good luck finding that in the store. We've been doing this a long time. I don't think any gun store that we sell to has ever ordered a left-handed holster. I don't, that's sorry. I'm left-handed, so it hurts me, <laughs> but, um, but that's just something you're just not going to find real easily in a gun store. Now, go ahead. Now that was one of the, that was one of the coolest things that I really picked up on from, from, from what my friends is that, you know, y'all sell, y'all have a website, you sell holsters in your store, but somebody can walk right into your store and you will mold them a holster specifically for their gun right there for them. Yes. And honestly, that has actually become probably our biggest um, percentage of our business. And it's weird. If someone said, Hey Rob, open up a holster store and sell nothing but holsters. I've been like, you're crazy. There's just, no one can make that work, but I've had people drive from Austin. Okay. Now remember we're, we're South of Houston. We're like halfway between Houston and, uh, and Galveston. So we've had people drive from Dallas, uh, Austin, Beaumont, everything in the same day because they've got some kind of crazy gun or they like, for example, uh, the gentleman who came from Austin, he had a, uh, uh, a 509 tactical had a, uh, you know, the threaded barrel. So he wanted to be able to carry with his suppressor on the gun while it's in the holster. The problem is there's another holster maker that will make him something 
Uh, it'll take him a long time to get it, but it's only if he has a certain kind of light. Well, the light he's rocking is an X 400, you know, from a uh, surefire. This is not an inexpensive light. So for him to just replace the light to get this holster, well, that's going to cost him a lot of money. And so, um, he's, he's in this situation where he's like, well, I need a, I need a holster. Um, if I can find somebody who will make it, it's going to take them, you know, between six to 12 weeks to get it. And I may have to send them my light. I may have to send them the gun. I may have to go through the FFL process where I got to send something. I got to go to an FFL, have it mailed to another FFL to get this other person who says that they can make this. Uh, Cause I found them in, you know, Montana on the internet. Uh, and it's going to take 12 months to get, or I can drive three hours hang out in Kima and get the holster same day and then go home, you know, and then be yeah. done with it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which would I rather do? What head, exactly. What so it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of humbling in a way though, to have people who drive so far away. Um, but when people find out that, yeah, you know, it's, if you get there at like four 30, we close at say five o'clock our time. Uh, if you get there at four 30 and you're like, Hey, I need, a duty holster with level three retention for my say, you know, FN 45 tactical. And I've got a TLR, you know, two light on there and nobody makes a holster for this. And I'm a security guard or I'm a police officer or something like that. You're not going to get it the same day. Uh, next day. Yeah. You can probably get it the very next day. But uh, if you get in there early enough, then we can a lot of times make that for you same day, something that you would have to wait months for in other cases or not ever get it all. So that's a, that's a really neat part about, that's a really neat part about our business is that uh, I get to play with really cool guns that you don't get to see very often. Uh, stuff that's really new. And, um, and I get to meet all kinds of interesting people. We've had, we've had a, I've got a couple guys that fly in on a helicopter. If you go to our Instagram page, you'll see, you'll see the helicopter take off. I had to, I had to, I had to take a video of these guys lifting up, but they come by every once in a while. They'll fly in, land in the field next to us and bring us crazy expensive guns. Um, you know, with suppressors and stuff that they want holsters for. It's, it's pretty wild. That's awesome. Now, one of the, and that's one thing too, uh, you know, I was browsing your Instagram and, you know, I saw that y'all don't just make holsters. Uh, y'all do everything from knife sheets, radio carriers, but the wildest one that I saw was the hip AR. Holster. Okay. We, that blew my we, mind. Oh my God. You do not believe the amount of hate we got though. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay, I, I, I <laughs> we had a guy that uh, was very enthusiastic at the gun show. It was funny. It was at the gun show, and uh, he's wearing some uh, some skinny jeans. Okay, that's the first. <laughs> that's the first. That's the first hateful thing. This, it wasn't me. It wasn't me wearing those skinny jeans. But he's wearing some skinny jeans, and uh, he's demoing it and stuff. And it just it looked kind of funny the way he was doing it. He was he didn't look like uh like the badass you know that he, he thought he did. Um, but um. And then, of course, my dad also did a video just showing how it works, but he's using a full-size, you know, M4-style AR, you know, 16-inch barrel. And people were like, what? And it, it went all over the world, uh, that video did. Um, that was pretty wild. But uh, I did another video. I got, a, I got a young man to kneel and jump, do jumping jacks, all kinds of show that it, it is viable. I mean, if you're riding a motorcycle and you need to take your AR with you, you could do this. Or if you're jumping out of an airplane, you could do this. But it is made for pistols. Uh, it is pretty neat. It is pretty neat. But um, it's not for everybody. And that's one of the one of the one of the things you were uh, 
on your description, you know, of, of things that you could use it for. One of the things that you mentioned was, uh, even people like hog hunters. And so I'm up around, uh, the college station area and, you know, we're in the middle of farmland. I've grown up night hunting my entire life. And when you mention that, you know, I've always run a sling, just hanging it around my neck. And, you know, sometimes that does get oh, it tired. Does. It wears on you when you've been out there for three or four hours, you know, just walking around in the field. And I was like, you know, that's actually a pretty slick idea. Well, for when me. I was in the army, um, you know, we, we were issued M4s and stuff. And I, I didn't have, thankfully, I was smart. I was like, you know what? I, I like camping. And I like guns, um, but I don't like walking. So I was a tanker. I was on the M1A1 and M1A2, you know. And uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm in some of these uh, groups on Facebook and stuff. And uh, you'll see, like, the memes where you got the water boy, you know, talking to his mama. And uh, he's like, I like camping. And I like, <laughs> I like you know, some other stuff. But I don't like walking, so I'm going to be a tanker. So, um, but no. But when you walk around with that stuff, it, it it'll <laughs> it'll wear you out. It'll be rubbing into your neck and everything else. So there's there's some good aspects of it. I mean, if you were on a, a four wheeler or ATV or something, you know, you can sit down with it. You can do some cool things with it that you wouldn't think you could. But we don't get a lot of ass for that, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'm fine. It's kind of a pain in the butt to make those, but we will make them. So. If anybody wants one, they can come check us out on the, uh, they're not on the website, but if you go to Instagram and then you reach out to us and uh, order one over the phone, we'll make it for you. Now, do y'all, have y'all ever made anything like, um, like vehicle dedicated, like mounting holsters and, and things in that type so of So we have. Um, now here's, here's the thing though. Here, here's what I was explaining to people is this. Okay. If you, um, You've got to be very careful in, and I don't know if anything has changed uh, as of with this new constitutional carry, but in the castle doctrine, uh, if you had a gun in your car, whether you had a license or not, didn't matter. Uh, if you, if your uh, firearm was visible, let, let's say you get pulled over. Okay. Uh, DPS pulls you over an officer friendly comes up there and he can see into your car and he can see the butt or the handle or whatever, something of that gun. You're in trouble. Because it has to be completely concealed in the vehicle. Um, people sometimes take for granted that they can mount something underneath the steering wheel and it's going to be completely concealed. And that's not always the case. Um, every every vehicle is different. Some, uh, some trucks uh, don't have a big under dash area like you would think. So I always tell people, you know, we, we can make something. We don't have that on the website, but uh, it's going to be... Um, it's going to be more of a custom type of thing too, because it's very important that they have that, that, that weapon concealed. Honestly, right now, especially with the constitutional carry, I would say go get one of our IWB holsters. You can wear it comfortably while you're sitting, sitting down. You'll be amazed how comfortable they are. Um, and, uh, you won't need to take the gun off and put it in a certain spot in the car. So that's, that's my advice on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the magnetic holsters, uh, the, the ones that, you know, you can put the thing under there again, be very careful because if the police can see that, or if it's visible from the outside, like just looking, you know, if you're riding in around in a, uh, like a Corvette or something down low to the ground and, and the police officer can walk up to it and see down and see into it. It might be a little different if you're, uh, riding around with a, you know, an F two fifty with a six inch lift, you know, and, uh, 40 inch tires. That might be a little different at that point in time, but you just got to be careful with that. 
Yeah. And I mean, I run, I, I don't do anything now. I can't, you know, my employer doesn't let me carry in the workplace. Yeah. So I leave it in my vehicle, but it stays in my appendix holster. And, uh, you know, when I'm driving, I, I run appendix as well. And that's the way I run. Uh, I have a friend that he has, he, uh, he basically modified an older holster of his for underneath the dash. And so, I, you know, I, other than like the magnetic, the basic stuff that you always see out there, I was just kind of curious if y'all ever, you know, custom made anything for that, that per, 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 uh, specific. Yeah. I mean, if you line. come to our shop, okay, again, going back there, we're not telling people, no, we're not, we're not going to make this. Now there are, there are a few, rare occasions i will tell somebody no if they if i get a guy comes in who's never carried before but he's seen something on tv and he wants me to make something like uh uh i guess you'd say an inverted small the back outside the waistband holster where the handle sticks straight up toward you know to like up you know like like in line with your spine um that's not going to work it's not going to do what Mm -hmm. you think it does uh it may have you may have seen something similar to that on tv but i'm going to (laughs) <laughs> politely but firmly uh ask you to leave no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna do that uh that's a hank hill reference no i'm gonna uh i'm gonna i'm gonna explain <laughs> to you why that's a bad idea and i'm i'm probably not gonna make that for you because um you know experience has shown me that if someone comes in and is very adamant about a type of holster they that they want they have in mind we'll make you know we make it for them um they're usually back there in a week or two later saying hey i need to get a different holster or can you modify this and i don't want to hurt people's feelings and say no this is this is what you asked for i can't really modify this there's nothing i can't i can't move this or that and make it all better it's you're going to need a whole another holster so Typically, if it's something really radical uh, that we we've already had experience where it doesn't work, we won't make it for you. We'll let you know. Okay, we're not going to lie to you and say, yeah, we'll make it for you and charge you charge you to do it, and then you hate the holster. We're we're going to look out for you. Now, with you know, I've and and on that subject, um, you know, I've seen some people rocking some you know some pretty unsecure, shitty stuff. Uh, you know, for concealed carry, like just the little cloth insert holsters. And, uh, you know, and I, I know a lot of that with people starting, it comes down to cost because unfortunately a good quality holster is, it's going to come at a higher price than your generic holster that you can get at Academy. But with that, what are some of the key components, you know, that, that you consider that go into making a top notch quality holster to people to realize like, Hey, this is worth the money. And this, you know, it, it's, it's worth me to spend, you know, my hard earned dollar on. This. Okay. So <clears throat> the first thing I will tell anybody, and I'm not, I'm not a holster snob. I'm not one of these guys that, oh my God, you got an alien gear or, oh my God, you got this or that. I, I, I'm not, I've learned uh, and I've learned, and I hate to say I've learned the hard way, but uh, as soon as you badmouth somebody else's stuff, then it usually comes back to you tenfold. Um, but what I, what I tell people to do is no matter what brand, no matter what holster you get, okay, you want it to do, you want it to do at least three things. You want it to be, A, it's got to be comfortable. If it's not, you're not going to wear it. The next one is it's got to be, it's got to be uh, secure or at least, you know, concealed. Okay. So the secure thing is mainly to do with the open carry. Now, a lot of people, and I, and I just got this from uh, Texas Law Shield today. I got, I got a, a, a really good um, description of what, what's actually in the constitutional carry. So um, that's something that's been kind of 
eluding me for a while, but, but even, even with just constitutional carry, you're going to be able to conceal carry. So, um, so most people are going to want to conceal carry. So going back to my three things, you want comfort, you want concealability. Okay. If it's not concealed, then you're not going to be able to take it everywhere. Um, HGB is not going to let you walk in there with an open carry, uh, deal, but you can, you can conceal carry in there just fine. Uh, and the last one is you want accessibility. Now what that, what that means is if you find yourself in your car or if you're in, um, uh, a restaurant, movie theater, whatever, uh, and you need to draw that weapon and, you know, someone comes in there either waving a gun around or, uh, or, you know, that literally starts shooting like you saw at the church and white settlement, and such, you want to be able to get to that weapon. And you may be getting on the ground before you go for that weapon. You don't want to have to stand up and dig into your pants to pull a gun out. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to be able to get to it. And um, you typically want to be able to do that one-handed. You may be, uh, you may find yourself in a struggle with someone who, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm the only person who's ever experienced this, but where a weird guy comes up to you at a gas station asking for a dollar. Now, Luckily, every weird guy asking me for a dollar, that's all he's ever wanted. But um, if I was uh, a very attractive 120 pound, you know, blonde, um, which, you know, I'm very sad that I'm not. But um, <laughs> but if if I was maybe if I wasn't some if I wasn't some big, burly, goofy guy, um, then maybe that guy who you know, you're reaching for your dollar or something to give him one, maybe he decides he wants to put his hands on you or something like that. You want you want to be. You want to be sure that it's a one-hand operation, that you're able to, to retrieve it safely uh, without hurting yourself or somebody else in the process. So you want those three things out of any any good quality holster. Now, if you can find that in an Uncle Mike's or in a cheap, cheap holster, great. But most of the time you can't. And what, what you will learn, uh, especially as a uh, when you're a new shooter, you'll go through a lot of holsters. You'll end up with that drawer or basket full of holsters. You don't throw them away. They're really not good to sell uh, to anybody and you're not going to use them. So they just end up going in a drawer somewhere. So um, you can kind of skip over some of that. get a good quality holster. Um, Obviously, you know, our holsters, we we feel that way. I think our, um, our least expensive holster is 64 95. Okay. And um, our most expensive holster, and that is going to be a drop leg, level two slash level three holster. That's about 175, which is still a lot cheaper than a Safari land or some of the other ones that are out there. Um, so you're looking at between 65 and $80 for most of our holsters. Um, but yeah, you can go. Yeah. Well, and, and like what you were, you were talking. I don't know. I'm I'm sorry, saying, you ahead. can go cheap or you can go super expensive, but really, and truly you just want something that, um, that that secures the gun, keeps it concealed, is comfortable, and you can still get the gun out. That's all that matters in the long run. And and like you said right there, with with you know, make sure that it's secure. Um, anytime that I talk to anyone or they ask me about you know selection and holster, you know maybe what should I get? You know I always push Kydex uh, because it's hard. It's safe around the trigger guard. It's going to keep things, you know, obstructions, anything getting in there that could cause an accidental discharge. But then my biggest thing is always retention because, like you said, you know, you're 
more than likely you're going to drop to the ground before you have to get to it, or you're going to be trying to get off the X and get the hell out of the way, get behind cover. Um, and you know, if you're tripping and falling all over yourself trying to do that, and you know, the last thing you want is your gun coming out of your pants because it's not secure. Exactly. Um, you, you know, you want it to be something that, um, you can wear all the time, uh, because if it's not a comfortable holster, it's going to end up left at home or it's going to be left in the car. So if you're not getting robbed on the way to the car, it could be getting stolen out of the car or the truck <laughs> while you're in enjoying a nice dinner or a movie or something of that nature. Um, so you just want to make sure that again, the secure thing is very, very important. Uh, the trigger guard being completely enclosed, very important. Um, we make, uh, on all of our holsters, what we do is we make sure that you never get pinched by Kydex. This was something that um, I've got some great advice from uh, a guy who had been, you know, when we started making holsters, we we weren't experts by any means. Um, we sort of were sharpened by constant, you know, interaction with customers. Being at gun shows every weekend, uh, talking to people directly, having them try stuff on. We got a lot of feedback that, frankly, I think a lot of holster makers don't always get. And we've, we sort of figured out that, you know, a lot of times when we thought we were making something better, we were making it worse. And uh, when people were trying it on, and again, these were people that some who are very experienced and some who are complete noobs, just, you know, just like any, all of us start out. Uh, we realized that the human element, everybody does the same thing. If I hand you an IWB holster, okay, if you go on the website at triple and look up IWBs, this is the one that's very reminiscent. Uh, it looks a little bit like a crossbreed where it has the two clips. Well, if I hand that person a holster who's never worn one, they try to put it at the, about the two o'clock position. Okay. And that's about where your front pocket is. All right. If you're right handed, it's going to be your front right pocket. So, what they don't realize is that you can't sit down when you put the gun there. You have to come either further forward to the mm -hmm. sort of 1130 to 1230 spot for a good appendix carry, uh, depending on the size of gun too. Um, sometimes you can get away with one, you know, maybe a little bit, a little bit further to the right than one. But, um, but really that holster is designed to be worn at the 330 to five o'clock position. And that's where it's at, at its best. But, um, you know, but we've, we've learned so much from direct customer contact that, uh, and then of course being the manufacturer, we can change stuff. We can literally change stuff overnight when we realized that, um, I hate to say this, but our very first generation of holsters, uh, we were having problems where, um, the, uh, the mag release was getting pushed on some Glocks that had extended mag release. We changed the entire way we make holsters just because of, of that, of that potential, uh, we don't want someone, you know, you, you pull the gun out and your magazine falls out of your gun because you popped it and didn't know it because you sat down weird, you know, in the car. Um, and you just don't want to have that. That's so we've learned a lot. Uh, we've gotten to where we're very, very proficient at making a very comfortable holster that pretty much meets everybody's needs. And I'm, I'm still blown away by the fact that we have almost a cult like following around this area. Um, you can look at reviews, you can look at all this other stuff, but oh yeah, people that, you go out there and sing our praises all day, every day. And I'm just, I'm absolutely blown away by that. And, and on, on that too, you know, like you're saying, you having your cult following. One thing I was going to ask you, you know, I mean, nowadays you can throw a rock blindfolded and yes. hit a holster maker. Um, I mean, they're, they're everywhere. And especially with on the ads on social media of just, 
you know, seen generic Kydex holsters. Uh, you can tell they're absolutely bare bones. You know, I know you have your immediate area, but what's it like navigating the the market with, you know, the amount of holster? You know, that's where you got to find a niche. Um, Our niche is I I don't sell a lot of holsters to Alaska. I have, but not a lot. Um, I don't sell them to a lot in California. Um, The thing is, is that what you, the, the public, okay, you never think about this until it's time to get a holster. But when you make holsters, you um, you realize there's an entire industry that supplies holster manufacturers. Um, you have like index fasteners, you have knife kits, you have some other companies that are out there. Um, you have uh, then you have some that um, they they specialize in one type of holster. And so if you're a holster maker and you invest, it could be five thousand dollars. Now, here's here's something I want to I want to touch on when you talk about all these holster makers. Um, you're going to see holster makers and it's, it's funny because with the internet and everything else, it'll look like it's, they're as big as Galco. Okay. They'll look like they're as big as uh, say, you know, some of the big ones out there. Um, uh, you know, alien gear comes to mind. Uh, Crossbreed comes to mind. They'll, they'll look like they're huge companies, but really it's a guy working out of his garage. Um, but you're just interacting with a, uh, you know, a website, maybe a couple of videos that they make, but you don't actually get to see the facility. You don't see where they're doing it at. Um, so when you're navigating that stuff, uh, you'll see that a lot of holsters are made exactly the same. And that's because this industry that supplies holster makers, um, they knock out these uh, things that make it really easy to make a standard holster. Um, these these holster makers, they can't usually do anything custom because they don't do things by hand. It's, it's weird. You know, like a wood router, you know, like a, a routing table, what they'll do is they'll have a, uh, mm-hmm. they'll have like a mold for say like Glock, let's say a Glock 26. And, um, you'll, uh, you, you'll, you'll have this mold. And what it is, is that you'll suck Kydex down on it and it'll be like a split mold meaning that it's like, it looks like two halves of the gun. Okay. Connected almost at the top, like where the barrel would be. Like if you cut the gun in half and you open it like a butterfly. Okay. So this mold, so you suck it down. Great. Now you got to cut it out. Well, how you cut it out is you, you, you've got this, it's on this big block. So you literally run it over to your, uh, routing, uh, your router. Okay. And you, uh, has like the, I don't know if you do any kind of woodworking, um, I'm trying to think of what this is. It's a ball bearing sort of chase yep. bit at the bottom. So it keeps it from cutting into the mold, but it cuts exactly wherever it needs to cut on this Glock 43. And so what gotcha. they do is they heat the middle of it. They fold it, they clamp it and boom, you've got the same holster that 9,000 other holster makers are making. You got the exact same one because they all have that same system. Okay. Well, we, we never start out that way. We were kind of unorthodox in how we make the holsters. Um, so we, we kind of came up with our own methods. We came up with our own uh, uh, jigs and uh, uh, platens and, and that sort of thing to make our holsters. So our stuff is totally different. <laughs> and so um, when, you're, uh, when, you're, when you're looking at all these different holster makers, they, um, they're making generally the same kind of holster. Uh, they have the same look. A lot of them are going to be all Kydex, which there's nothing wrong with. Um, I'm a big fan of the hybrid, like our grab and go and our IWB because I'm a chubby guy. Okay. I wish I, uh, I wish I kept running and doing all that fun stuff when I got out of the military, but I was like, nah, 
I'm not running to the mailbox and it shows, it shows. Uh, <laughs> so, so for me, the hybrid type holster, if you're, Life yeah, catches oh us all, God. man. It so, us all. so our hybrid holsters, man, they are so comfortable and they are ridiculously comfortable. And uh, whereas all Kydex, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a slimmer guy, uh, you can carry appendix, you can do all that stuff. It's great. Um, you know, if you're doing outside the waistband, again, fantastic. We make a carnivore. We we call it a carnivore holster. Now, I'll give you the inside scoop on that real quick. So when you come up with names for stuff, our very first holster is just IWB. That's all. It's still to this day. That's all we call it. It does not have a cool name, although I thought it should be called the B fifty two. But whatever, you know. Um, I lost that. I lost that argument. So, <laughs> so because it's long, it's wide. All right. So, uh, people look at it and they think, oh, this is going to be not as comfortable. We make something called a uh, a grab and go. It's a smaller version of that. Um, depending on where you wear it, it's better and. If you try to wear it like at that 330 position, it's worse. So, but depending on which kind of holster you need, um, you, you've got that. And then um, I got to regain my thought here. This is where editing is hopefully going to be good. Um, <laughs> so, so, but, um, but I don't know. I guess the, I guess the thing I'm trying to say is that when it comes down to it, um, a lot of holster makers, they, they just make the same kind of holster. And so there's nothing wrong with those holsters. They work, they do what they're supposed to do, but it's a race to the bottom because so many are exactly the same. The only way for them to get um, sort of out there is to lower their price. And they get down, I see them as cheap as $25, which would be a holster that we sell for $65. Now, um, because they're they're running on a router and doing that stuff, they're not actually using a real gun uh, at any point in time. And um, depending on how busy they are, uh, they don't they don't polish them all the way. There's there's all kinds of things that can happen. But let's say they do it exactly like we do. They'll run out there and they will. They'll it'll be a race to the bottom. And you can find them on eBay. You can find them on everywhere. Um, the problem is, is usually you can't call somebody up and ask them a question, or let's say you got a TLR six on it and that's just not an option. They're not going to have that because that's not what the holster supplier, the, the company that supplies the parts, they don't have, they don't have that, that mold for them and they don't sell enough of them. So they're not going to do it. So one of the cool things about our business model is that you come in, you've got something weird. You've got maybe not, not so much weird, but you've, you've got a, uh, an oddball light selection. You went out and you bought a cheap light and you put it on your Glock 17. Well, you're not going to find anybody out there who's going to make a holster for you. You are absolutely, you know, out in the cold. If you think you're going to get a, say a cheap NC star or I protect light or something like that. And you're going to get a holster. Now I will, I will, try to dissuade people and say, listen, don't, don't go get a cheap light and, and go get a holster built custom because if the light goes out, which is a high probability that it will, then you're stuck with a holster that won't fit anything else. And you spent extra money and everything of that nature to carry that light. And that light is not going to last you. So the, the gun will last forever. The holster will last forever, but that light, not so much. So stick with, stick with really good brands. Um, Streamlight, Surefire. Um, Olight is really impressive. We're actually an authorized dealer for Olight. Now I'm not saying that Olight is going to be as good as a, you know, Surefire. I'm not saying that, but 
Um, they at least have warranties. They stand behind their stuff and, uh, they're, they're pretty good for what they are. They're, they seem to be pretty rugged. So, so something like that, but you know, and, and there might be some other lights that I'm forgetting. Crimson trace, um, uh, is good. Uh, same thing with Viridian. They make some great stuff. So, but again, if you got a Viridian with a camera light and laser and you, you're trying to put it on your Taurus, uh, <laughs> Taurus, whatever, 24 seven, you're not going to find a holster for that, but come in. Yeah. Oh, come Taurus. in, come into our shop. We'll make it for you. No problem. That's awesome. Now, what, what would you consider? Well, in, in your mind, I guess, what's the coolest thing you've had come in that you've so had to make that, it changes over time. Um, I remember when Chiapas were kind of new and they were cool. Um, then uh, I think the I think the coolest thing that's got me had me excited <coughs> it's called the Alien. It's about a four thousand dollar gun, so I probably won't be able to get it. Um, it is I've got pictures of it on on uh, <laughs> on my Instagram. It's uh it's built kind of like a Chiapa. It's got the barrel where the barrel is lower than the uh, uh, I guess you'd say like the spring action or whatever. It's basically the gas. Uh, the gas system on it is modeled after the HK. I think it's the P seven. Uh, it's, it's a really neat gun. It's, it's very, very cool. Like I said, it's, but that's probably the, the last thing that actually got me kind of excited, you know, when, when, uh, uh, again, I don't know where these guys work. I need to, uh, I need, I need to find out how to get this kind of money. Cause these guys come in here with some of these craziest guns. Um, I feel like I said, I'm telling they, you, man. this guy's a lawyer, this particular guy, he's bought a lot of holsters from us. And that's the other thing that's really great is the repeat customers. You know, it's one thing when you go and you buy something on eBay and you get your, you get you a Glock 43, you know, uh, all plastic appendix type of uh, holster and you paid $35 for it, but you'll probably never, ever buy one from that same company again. Um, that's a one and done kind of thing. So you come into our our shop will show you how to wear it. We'll have, have you try things on before you buy anything. Uh, our big thing we always do is we have people sit down because everybody comes in there for a holster. We make them sit down with a holster on. Um, if you're at a gun show or you're in like, like Academy or something, you may see a holster. It looks cool in your mind. It makes sense. You get home, you put it on, you put the gun in it. Great. Then you go get in the car and you're like, you have to roll out of the car in pain because it's crushed some manhood part or it's pinched you or uh, it's just not good. So we always make sure that you, um, you try the holster on you, you know, even after you, even after we order it, we make it for you. Uh, we have you try it on before you leave, we make sure the draw is right. Everything is right on it. So that's the advantage of coming into the shop. So if you're able to come in, you're very lucky. Um, to my knowledge, there's nobody else. And all these holster makers out there, like you said, there's there's thousands of them out there. But none of them have a storefront. You can go into a waiting room, okay? Uh, you can look at everything from O-lights to, you know, uh, backpacks to all this other stuff we have up there. And, uh, and then try things on. There's no other place you can do that. That you can bring... Uh, bring your, you know, your really cool exotic gun, even your mundane regular, you know, I can't tell you how many thousands of, uh, Tauruses I've made over the years. Um, I mean, everything from judges, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, revolvers, uh, to, uh, to the little, the lowly, 
uh, you know, Millennium Pro. We have we've made so many of those, and and it's funny because um, that's something else that's weird though. Taurus, that, just to go off on a tangent here, Taurus makes an okay an okay gun. It's not it's not the greatest. It's not the best. I think if you're a, a single mom, and you're on a budget, man, this is the gun for you. Okay. But there are a few other guns out there. I thought were going to be huge because of the price point. I thought that the sky was going to be huge, but in our, in our non-scientific um, sort of polling, we hardly ever sell a holster for a sky. Um, I sell them for uh, all kinds of stuff, but you know, right now the hottest guns that we're seeing as far as well, we can't keep those holsters in the shop or uh, the Hellcat and your, uh, your Glock 43, 43X, 48, and then the, uh, the, um, the 365 series of guns. Those are by far the, the most popular that right now, they're just big time. They've really, um, I got to say, and I've, I've wanted to look at them. Um, one that really has my eye right now is the yeah. Max 9. I've heard a lot of good stuff about that. But the Springfield really, you know, I, I started off with Springfield. I had an XD45. Knowing what I know now, that was my terrible first choice. So, so you, you and every other but, young uh, guy out there, they'll come in there. I'm like, I turned 21. I got my license today. All right, I want to carry this. What do you got? I got a, <laughs> I got the biggest XD you can find. <laughs> it's a competition, <laughs> seven-inch barrel, and I put a light on it. I got an optic on it, and I want to carry this concealed. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, here's this backpack, okay? And here you go. <laughs> that was easy. So, um, yeah, th- those are those are good times, man. And well, the, the bad thing about it is the, the XD that I had. So the one, it was an XD45 compact. Um, and I used to uh, I used to bow hunt a lot more than I did now. And I always carried it. It was just like, it was my hog pistol. And uh, I actually had a time where uh, the striker failed to mm. drop on it. Um, and after that one time, it was odd. I threw a little bit of oil in there. It was fine. Um, I usually keep everything pretty clean. But after that, I was like, I'm not sure I absolutely trust this. But when they started getting into hitting the micro or the subcompact series and in the high capacity with Hellcat, I thought they did. They did park on that. I they really, really did. did. Uh, I think that uh, now if I'm not sure which came out first. I want to say the 365, the original um, came out. And was able to hold, you know, more rounds than anybody else. And I think that uh, that spurred Glock to uh, to make the 43X and the 48. And uh, even then, uh, the factory stuff, I don't think they hold as much as the uh, 365. But um, you've got different makers now that are coming out with uh, steel magazines. And they are carrying a lot more rounds now. Um, and then uh, and then Springfield came out with their, their answer to the 365. And they really did. I mean, they, I'm still a big fan of, of SIG. Uh, I'm a big believer in that they don't really make a bad gun. I know that this, the 365 has had a little bit of issues at the very beginning, but, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they're gen ones. They had a, I think it was I a firing, what, it was a firing pin. It was a firing pin issue, issue that they had, if I'm not mistaken. So, but, um, now these these guns they're all coming out now. Those these things are incredibly popular. 
um, we, um, so one of the things that, that if we go back to holsters, so one of our most popular holsters right now, though, is the grab and go with the ulti clip. Now you say, why is that the most, one of the most popular? It's because a lot of women are starting to carry now. Um, now that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. I think that more people who are carrying, uh, you can have more people who are going to be more, uh, they're going to be more staunch defenders of the second amendment. Um, they're going to, uh, they're going to, they're going to have an interest in this. They, they it just, it improves the shooting world so much. Um, but women don't wear belts. Okay. I found this out and they don't hell, they don't wear pants like, like they used to. Um, they wear, they wear yoga pants or yeah. they wear some stretchy stuff that looks like jeans. It ain't jeans. Um, I know cause I live with two women and I don't think they, yeah, my, my wife's, my wife's the same exact way. And, you know, I've, I've pushed for her to get her LTC, but with constitutional carry kind of coming into mostly just because of her travel, I know that she won't really worry about carrying one on her body and she really doesn't worry about. Um, but I've definitely looked at, you know, the ulti clip and the fabric clip. And I was going to actually ask you what your preference is. Well, the ulti is clip is going to be more two. versatile. Um, the fabric clip, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have a lot of experience with a fabric clip. Um, the ulti clip though, very, very rugged. Um, it will lock on to stuff. I mean, if you, what I was explaining to my customers is this, if you're going to, uh, if you're, if, especially if you're a guy and you're going to wear a belt again, do not use the ulti clip on the belt. Okay. It is metal. It can be, it can be gapped. It can be kind of warped or whatever, if you want to call it that. Uh, so that when you're not wearing a belt and you try to lock it onto your, say your shorts, you know, jogging shorts, basketball shorts, that it doesn't do a good job of holding onto it anymore. But um, the ulti clip, as long as you don't abuse it, as long as you don't lock it onto belts and you're going straight to the jeans or in the, in the case of women and you're, they're going to what, whatever the shorts, their jogging pants, what, you know, yoga pants, whatever it is they have, it locks on very, very well. And, um, I like them because they're adjustable. You can adjust the height. Um, we make them to where you can adjust the cant on it as well. So, but that holster, the grab and go with the ulti clip, uh, because the soft, you know, the soft leather on the back, and that's something else we didn't really talk about. I started to talk about the orthopedic leather on the back. The thing, the the properties of this leather, which makes it different than everybody else's, is that I don't know if they heat treat it. There's something they do. They seal it off. So it stays soft. It won't give you a rash and it doesn't absorb sweat. Okay. None. So whereas horse hide, okay, that was a big thing for a while there. Everybody's like, oh, we got to have horse hide. And it was because the, the horse's you know, skin cells or whatever, they're closer together. They, they do a better job of, of keeping moisture out. Whereas uh, a regular, you know, cow type leather doesn't, but this orthopedic stuff, it is, it is a cow leather, but it's, uh, it's been treated in such a way. And I don't think it's like a high tech way. I think it's a pretty low tech way, but, um, but the reason they started going to this in the orthotic field is because you can imagine you've got like a Forrest Gump sitting in a classroom. One, He's got metal, you know, braces on. They're uh, probably blistering him, you know, wearing, rubbing a hole in them. Um, and, you know, if he's out here sweating and stuff, he'd be sweating into that leather and stinking up the classroom. So they uh, they started using this stuff, I think, back in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. I'm not I'm not an expert in this in this part of it. I just know that what this stuff does. So 
you put this on the back of the leather. So when you look at our holster, it, you know, it's obviously, you know, the, the hybrids, they're obviously leather, but if you flip it over, it's a different kind of leather altogether on the backside. So this stuff is very, very soft. It doesn't require maintenance like a, a saddle soap or a conditioner. Um, you basically just wear it and you live your life. And that's really what it is. So uh, you don't have to worry about rusting the gun because you sweat through it. So if anybody who's ever used like a VersaCarry or some of these minimalist holsters or holsters that doesn't have a sweat shield and you carry a lot, especially in Texas, uh, you'll probably have some corrosion, some rusting on that slide because you sweat all over it. And if you're not religious about cleaning it every day, then, you know, it's going to show up on that, on that finish of the gun. So one of the cool things is, is that I've been carrying my gun for years and years and years, and there's no rust, there's no nothing on it, and it's because I carry it in an IWB holster. So it protects me from the gun as much as it protects the gun from, from me. That's awesome. Um, you know, hearing that detail, you know, the work that y'all put into it, the thought that y'all put into it to actually make this, you know, a quality true comfort experience, you know, to help people em embrace the carry lifestyle, to not leave it in the car, to not leave it at home, to make sure that you keep it with you the, the way that you're, you know, exercising right. your right to do. We're um, so with, with all the laws and everything, you know, the, the new seven laws that, um, that Abbott signed, uh, one of the ones I wanted to ask you on, maybe you could touch on a little bit, was the one with removing the restriction on holsters. I was not aware that there was ever a restriction on the type of holster. Oh, my God. It is okay. one of the most unknown parts of the LTC, okay? Um, so when I got my, my, my handgun license at the very beginning, it was uh, they called it a CHL. It was Concealed Handgun License. There was no such thing as open carry. And, um, yeah. so when they did this, I want to say, was it 2013 when they did the open carry? I can't, I can't remember if it was then or yeah, I think so. Cause, cause whenever, cause I've been carrying for about 11 years now when I did mine, yeah. it was still the CHL and I, I think you're right. It was like 13 when, right. they, when they kicked off. So, so what happened was, and we, we knew about it because we were making holsters. Uh, people would come in and they would tell us about this and this. I'm not, I'm not saying that, Hey, I'm some kind of nerd that likes to go through the laws and read all that. I, I only know because people told me, but um, there was a provision some somehow in, in legalese with politician uh, they said, well, if they're going to open carry, they can only carry it two ways. And that was a shoulder holster and, or uh, a holster on the belt. Okay. So it, it's weird. It, like you couldn't, technically you weren't supposed to have, I guess, an appendix. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, if you had a drop leg again, it's, and it's weird. Like you could argue like most drop legs, they do have a part that connects to the belt. Uh, even your paddle holster, uh, most paddle holsters because of, you know, depending on which we're talking like a G code or uh, a Blackhawk or one of these other ones, they usually have cleats that kind of stick out, protrude out. So what it does, it sort of grabs the belt. So that way, when you pull the gun out of the holster, the holster doesn't come out of the pants. So there's, it's just weird. Um, it's something I don't think anybody really enforced. Um, I know that I think in San Antonio, you could not carry, now this is not true anymore, but once upon a time in San Antonio, you could not carry a Tonto style 
knife. You know, the blade couldn't be that Tonto. So yeah, it's just weird. It's somebody, what? some, somebody probably had a, uh, a knife pulled on them one time. It was like that. And, uh, it was one of these, we'll call them like, uh, add on, you know, laws or add on charges. You're already in trouble for something else. They'll just, they can throw some extra stuff on it. But again, it's silly. So, um, yeah, it's just funny stuff like that. I found that out because I was talking to a police officer doing a gun show in San Antonio. You know, it's how I find out a lot of this stuff. Uh, I meet some really amazing people. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky because this field that we're in, I don't have the the kind of customer that comes in who's mad because they got five chicken nuggets and not six. You know, I don't, I don't have that customer. I'm, I'm very fortunate. My biggest, <laughs> I guess my only customer that I have a problem with is I come in, usually somebody who has uh, either been carrying for such a long time that they are complacent about making sure the gun is clear. I've had a few people hand me loaded weapons that are chambered, you know, hand it to me barrel first. Okay. Um, You know, things like Glocks that don't, don't have a, what we call an active safety on it. And so, you know, I've got some choice words for those people. I'm not too mean to them, but, um, you know, there's been, there was a young guy came in one time and, uh, uh, he, he flagged my wife and my daughter, uh, while he was trying to hand me this thing. And, um, <laughs> I get it. I'm like, well, this feels heavier than normal. Let's check to make sure it's clear. And it wasn't clear. I, I told him he, he, he was not allowed to have a holster. Okay. Um, I was not very happy with him at the time. So that's usually the only time I have a problem with any customer is just, you know, when I'm dealing with someone who doesn't have the common sense that, that, that you need to have when you're handling a firearm in, in a, an environment like that, because I, I have no problem with somebody coming in. If they're carrying they're strapped, whatever, uh, one in the chamber, that's great. As long as we're not handing that firearm back and forth to each other, that's all I ask. So, <laughs> so if you're bringing me a gun to have it made, uh, made well, a holster, just clear it before you come in. That's all I ask. Keep your other one on you. Stay armed. I, I want you to. Okay. Somebody comes in there to rob the place. Hey, help me out. But don't hand me a loaded gun. <laughs> that's all I'm asking. I completely understand. And you know, that's one of the that's one of the big things that I'm always going to push on here because when you know, growing up with me, I grew up with firearms in the family. Uh, I grew mm-hmm. up in a farming, hunting family. We always had firearms in the house. Um, we, they weren't always in a safe, they weren't always locked up, but I was brought up to know, you know, to use them, to know this, respect it. It wasn't forbidden fruit. I knew what it was and what it was capable, capable of, and you don't mess with it, but I will always push, especially with all the new gun owners that we have now, um, you know, people starting to get concerned through the pandemic and stuff. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, Yes, you can look up on YouTube and you can learn from your friends, whatever you want, but go and get formal training. Yeah, absolutely. You, don't know, what you're um, doing. you know, everybody who listens to this, I don't know what, you know, it might be Texas wide, but, um, but reach out, reach out to some of your local gun ranges. Uh, usually they will know people who are, uh, you know, trainers that would be good to get some kind of instruction because, uh, you can watch videos all day. It's totally different. Um, when you actually go out there and squeeze the trigger off, um, you know, and the other thing too is, is get proficient. And it's tough right now with, uh, ammo prices and availability being what they are. Um, and don't even get me started on that. That's a whole nother, another subject, but, um, but try to at least get proficient. Now, if you're going to carry self-defense ammo, this is just 
you know, some free advice. It's worth every penny. Um, but if you're going to carry, say, self-defense ammo, but you're going to go shoot the target stuff. And let's say I'll give you an example, a Kimber. You got a Kimber 1911. Very nice gun. Make sure that it will shoot the uh, the self-defense ammo. OK, you will find that some guns do not cycle it the same way they will ball or target ammo. So, yeah, get proficient. Shoot what you're actually going to carry uh, in the gun, at least a little bit, just to make sure that it works right. And then, um, yeah, go from there. I mean, that's you'll you'll have fun. But I worry, too. And I don't want to be one of these guys that think, oh, my gosh, this person doesn't have a license. They they didn't go through the class. They, they shouldn't carry. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not like that at all. I think that everybody should. But at the same time, it's an awesome responsibility. And it's something that I'm hoping that as time goes forward, people who decide they want to do, they, they want to protect themselves and they make that step, they may say, well, you know what? I think I will go get some training or I think I will go bone up at least at the gun, at the, at the gun range, you know, something, just do something. Well, and that was another, you know, that was touching on that. I, I was going to ask you that too. And I, and anybody that I'm going to have on, um, I'm always going to ask them this, especially since there's been, you know, try to help people be more comfortable with it, first of all, and understand it, but constitutional carry, you know, I'm, I believe in it. I think it's great. <laughs> Um, I mean, the last guest I had on here, Greg performance shooting, they, you know, they are professional firearms trainer and they, you know, they gave their two cents on it. Um, but you know, you're in a different side of the industry and I wanted to get your take on it as well. Just, just to help people be more educated on, you know, what they're actually looking at. Well, exactly. Here, here's, here's the other side of this. Okay. We, um, our society has gotten kind of away from the self-responsibility. Um, we want to blame everybody else for anything. Okay. So that's why we have idiot labels on, on, uh, products that, you know, just don't make any sense, but there's somebody out there who's yeah, yeah, exactly. There's somebody out there who's done something (laughs) stupid and that's why there's now a warning label, you know, on coffee. Okay. Extremely hot. Yeah. No duh. Okay. But, but things like that happen. And so (laughs) we've gotten away from the fact that, Hey, um, if you got to be responsible for yourself, then you typically, you, you think different, but we want to blame everybody else for something. So in our very litigious society, um, uh, we've come up with licenses or, or, uh, certifications for everything from plumbing to electrical. I, and I understand why you want your electrician to be certified. He can burn your house down. Okay. You know, uh, Jethro may not be the best person to wire up your, hot water heater or something, you know, um, you know, he, he has no business doing that. Um, he's not a plumber and he doesn't know the first thing about electricity. So yeah, there are certain things that we want people to have, uh, certifications and, uh, and licenses for, but being able to defend yourself is shouldn't be one of those. It, it should be something that, yeah, you know, I think that, uh, We've got some, we got some people walking around here that we would say, man, I'm worried about that person having a gun, but we can't live off of the lowest common denominator. Okay. Uh, that's what we're seeing right now with gun laws, things they're trying to push. They're not, they're not pushing gun laws because people in league city are shooting each other um, every day. That's not happening. It's, it's another area. It's in another state, another city where they've got, they've got a people problem where uh, they got a culture and they've got a, uh, they've got, they got systemic violence and um, 
and it's it's got nothing to do with your everyday law-abiding gun owner. It has nothing to do with it, but they use those things as lowest common denominators as straw men to attack the rest of us. So I think the constitutional carry is uh, something we should have had. Um, I think that um, when you look at, you know, you look at when they said, oh, we're going to pass this, you know, remember that concealed carry, uh, there's going to be blood in the streets. And it's going to be terrible. They said this every time we do something toward, uh, you know, getting more people uh, able to carry and defend themselves. They always say this, but it never happens. Louisiana has had open carry without a license for for a very long time. Um, they're a little more stringent on where you can go, but uh, as long as you're not a felon or, you know, all the other stuff that goes along with not being able to carry, uh, you've been able to open carry in Louisiana for years and you don't hear about the crazy apocalyptic stuff that they always promise is coming when we, you know, move toward like a constitutional carry or make it easier for people to uh, defend themselves. You just don't see it. Well, that's one thing too. You know, a lot of people don't realize like we're we're just we're late to the party. Like we're not. No, the first and you would think that this. Texas. Uh, I always love the Family Guy episode where they moved to Texas, and uh, as soon as they cross the border, there's somebody there waiting to give them the free gun. You know, <laughs> for moving there. It's like people think that, but <laughs> yeah. that's uh, it's not exactly how that works here. But yeah, we are late to the party. We've actually been very restrictive. On, uh, on our gun rights here in this state. And um, I don't know. I don't know who to blame on that, but at least we're moving in the right direction now and we'll, we'll hopefully continue doing so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, and, and I couldn't, you know, uh, have you looked into the, you know, the, the suppressor law? Saying, Dude, talking about I am so uninformed about that. I, my, my son, my 13 year old, my 13 year old's like, fine. yeah, they passed it. And another friend of mine's like, yeah, they passed it. And I'm like, I have not heard anything about this, but, um, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, fine. I'm going to leave that alone then because it's, it's kind of, it's, it's touch and go. It's, it's kind of, I'm not sure if, it's if, quite what they're if it's, claiming it is like, it looks good. It's on one paper, of those things like, but, okay, like marijuana, right? So on the books, federally marijuana is illegal everywhere. But if you go to say, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, okay. Or you go to California, you go to these other places, it's legal. There are people opening in the, uh, they're operating in the open. Um, uh, they're doing all that stuff. Now, again, that's, that's not that's not as politically incorrect as being able to make suppressors. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But if we are able to make our suppressors, keep them as long as we're made in Texas and keep them in Texas and all that good stuff, uh, as long as you know the federal government doesn't try to crack down on it and there's no local enforcement trying to crack down on it, I think it'll be kind of like the marijuana thing. I think it'll be it's illegal, but no one's there to enforce it if that makes sense. So it may be something over time, but who knows, maybe some other States will follow suit and uh, it may become more and more accepted socially. We think people move to Texas now. They're going to be moving. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's see, the that's the kind of people we want here. Um, <laughs> my sister-in-law is from, uh, was, she lives in California and apparently they want to move here. I'm like, Oh God, no, no, don't move here. <laughs> If you move here, you better not be voting. Okay. You better just <laughs> chill out. So, yeah. I hear you on that. All right. So, um, this is going to be something I haven't done. Um, I'm trying to incorporate something else, just kind of help people, you know, 
know who our guests are and know them a little bit better, but I came up, I'm going to try to start doing a little sure. couple of quick fire questions here at the end, just to let you hit it and see where it takes us. So nothing crazy. So first off is going to be favorite carry pistol. All right. So caliber. my favorite carry pistol that I own right now is, um, it's an MMP compact. It's not the shield. It's the compact and it's a nine millimeter. And I've had that gun since 2006. So that's how long I've been carrying that. Awesome. Uh, favorite rifle. Okay, caliber. man. All right. So my favorite rifle and caliber, it's a, it's a weird one. It's going to be uh, a PSL in 7.62 by 54R. Okay. Now what that is, is that's the, uh, it looks like a dragon off, it, but it's not. It's like the poor man's uh, version of a Russian sniper rifle. I just, I love that gun. That's my favorite freaking rifle. Nice. All right. Uh, worst or funniest range experience? Um, I think, uh, man, <laughs> well, I don't have it. Thankfully, I don't have any worst. I have the funniest one was uh, when my daughter built her first AR. Um, she, uh, she's got a muzzle break on it. And, um, and we had some guys that were standing next to her. And uh, she started shooting that off. And that muzzle break is brutal to people standing next to you. And so they... They literally, like this guy, he literally just, he calmly put his stuff on the table and he took about five steps back. And he's like, I don't want no more of that. <laughs> and then he comes over to me and says, what is that? Is that a 50 cal? I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's five, five, six, man. That's just a muzzle break. That's, that's really the only funny thing I think I can say I've had at a, at a gun range. Nothing. Thank God. Nothing bad. Nothing, nothing terrible. Um. This one ought to be easy. Beer or um, bourbon? I, I like both, man. Uh, beer in mass quantities. Yeah, beer in mass fair. quantities, but bourbon, yeah, definitely. For like like uh, for certain certain social events, man, when you're chilling with your buddies, I think bourbon is the best. That's the way to go. Um, favorite gun-related or action movie? Um, it's going to be John Wick, even though it's completely – completely out of it's line in, in reality, but man, I love it because, <laughs> um, I got to, uh, I didn't, I didn't get to really talk to, uh, Oh, uh, what's his name from Taron tactical, you know? Uh, but, um, but I've seen all the videos of Keanu Reeves and stuff though. And they actually, he actually is trained. He's actually worked on it and stuff. It's not all CGI, you know, he is, he's, he's actually shooter, really man. good at it. Um, again, I think that, yeah, obviously it's it's crazy fantasy BS, but there are some. It is rooted in in a, in, a, in a like a grain of actual physics and 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 some stuff in there that is uh that's pretty cool. So I think that's my favorite though, just because of that aspect of it. Um, not that it's realistic in any other way, but it is it is definitely the the one that. Yeah, if you're talking firearms and movie, that's it. All right, now this last one, I know it's going to be tough, so you're going to have to think okay. real hard on this one, okay? Triple T holsters. Damn, that was tough. Oh, yeah. There you go. It's got to be. It's got to be. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you having uh, having you on. I hope we can actually do it again sometime. Maybe one day I can uh, find some time to come down there and meet y'all uh, in person. I do need some AR-15 yeah, absolutely. carriers. That's for sure. So maybe one day I can get down there and get me up on that. Um, 
but finishing up here, man, why don't you go ahead and do a, do a shameless plug, let people okay. know where they can find so, you. So um, you can always find us online anytime of the day or night at uh, triple T holsters.com. Now you got to spell out the word triple. Okay. It's triple. And then the letter T. So it looks like triplet. I love that. Um, and then holsters and holsters is plural. So triple T holsters.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram you can uh, find us on Facebook, even though I don't really like Facebook. Um, and then um, our store is in Kima. We're at 804 Anders Lane. Um, and it's in Kima, Texas. 77565 is the zip code. Um, give us a call anytime. Uh, you can leave a message if you're if it's outside of uh, normal business hours. But our number is going to be 832-864-2389. And, uh, but yeah, we have lifetime warranties on everything that we make. Um, we're both, you know, my, my dad and myself are veterans. So we, uh, we're a veteran owned business and, uh, we're a Texas business, which is the best. So thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Word on that, man. Absolutely, man. And anytime really great, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, uh, so yeah, everybody out there, I hope y'all enjoyed hearing this. Um, you know, come back you know, listen to it again. If you missed a tidbit of information, maybe you can find something else, but uh, until then stay strapped and stay safe.